right. Switch my screen, if you will. Hey, um, uh, I want to let you know that, um, uh, that we have all of the verses for today up on version. By the way, a lot of the things that you have in the way your bulletin are in there as well. Different things are there, but version. all you have to do is open up the app, go to version, find events, look under there, you'll find Cedars Church. It's that simple. All the verses are there. All right, so let's get started with this. Um, so what we're doing is, is that we are going to be taking a day to talk about something that I think is really uh, important for us to kind of wrestle with. And, and we've done 36 weeks, and we talked about all this stuff, and that our purpose of our church is to equip you. A purpose of our church is to let you know how much we, we want you to be out on the front lines. And, the, and yet, I just felt like there was something that we missed in that time period. And so I thought, you know what? I want to speak about that. I want to make sure we talk about that um, as a part of what we're going to do. And this message is called No Bags Needed. And the reason it's called No Bags Needed has to do with a passage that I want to kind of speak into, I want to have you kind of sit with, and maybe it will be where you're at. It's in Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, and it says this, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So you need to know that the message of, of, of what happened with Jesus was, he came, he said, come follow me. For a year, they followed him. They just watched him, what he would do. And he would travel all these areas in Galilee and around, and he would do these things. Then he said, hey, let's do this together. And he started to spend this time with them where they would start to do the very things that they would do. And he gets to this moment where he says to them, listen, um, you're going to kind of leave me. You're going to leave and go on your own a little bit. You're going to go into this place, and, and you're going to figure this out. Now, by the way, this is, you know, they've been with Jesus. Jesus does the miracles. They know what to do. But then he does something really interesting. He goes, look, I'm going to send you out two by two. Uh, two, by two. You're going to go out into these regions, and I'm going to give you authority over unclean spirits. He's going to give them power, okay? So he, they're like, he's like, I'm not just sending you out this. But look what he says in verse 8. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. But to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. Now here's what's interesting. He comes to them. He's been with them. He goes, I'm sending you out. By the way, leave your bags behind. Only one tunic. You get to take a staff. But you don't get to take money, and you only got to take one pair of sandals. Now, here's what's interesting about that. It is a life lesson. It is a life lesson that he is trying to teach his 12. It's this. You got me. You don't need a money bag. You don't need an extra tunic. You don't need any of these extra things. You got me. And so you need to know that they were going to go off, and what he's saying is, wherever I send you, I already, listen to me, have provisions for you when you get there. I have places for you to stay. I have people that will feed you. I have people that will take care of you. And so what he's saying to them is, this is an act of trust. Because I'm telling you, as I've talked to a lot of people, as we get into this equipping part, and we're telling you to reach into your inner circle, and we're telling you to go, the part of you goes, I'm not prepared enough. I haven't taken enough classes. I haven't memorized enough scripture. I don't have the resources. 
And what we don't do is we don't go because we have all of these excuses. And so what Jesus did to the 12 is he said, I'm taking away all of your excuses so that all you have is reliance. No money bag, no extra tunic, one pair of sandals, go. When you get there, I already have you covered. And then this is what you and I do. We don't believe that he's saying the same things to us. We don't believe that what he has said to his disciples, he is saying to us, that I have the resources already there for you. So let me show you another passage. By the way, he sends out the 12. We'll get to that at the end of the message, what happened with them. But he also then sends out 72, and this is what he says. This is Luke 10, 1 through 5. And after the Lord appointed 72 others, he sent them on ahead of them, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He goes, I'm sending you out, but there needs to be more. There's 72 of you going out two by two, but we need more because there's so many more people that need to know what we're about to talk about. Verse 3, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. By the way, that is the pep talk you want. right? It should be like, I'm sending you out like wolves among lambs, right? You're going to devour. 72 of them are standing there, right? And he's going, hey, by the way, and I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Woohoo! This is awesome. Because what he's trying to say to them is, I do know what is happening. I do know where I'm sending you. I'm not oblivious to the things that are coming against you. Because here's what's happening is, he names it and claims it at the very beginning. This is what's going to happen. You're going to go out against people who, by the way, are going to be against you. Please hear me. God knows the story. But own it. Walk into that moment. Walk into that place and go, I know I'm about to walk into this place. I know there's things against me, but God already knows it as well. I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. He does the same thing that he did to the twelve. Take nothing with you. We have a tendency in our humanity that if we have things to rely on, we will rely on them. If it's our bank account, if it's our education, Maybe it's our abilities. And instead of being in a place of utter like, here we go, God says, look, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Will you go if I tell you to go? Now, and then he says this, and whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And we're going to stop right there, and I want to tell you a story about my life. Um, uh, Jody and I both graduated the same year. I started a year before Jody, but we graduated the same year. And, um, and then right shortly after that, I was working for UPS. I was, uh, by the way, I was, uh, practicing driving the brown truck because I was about to become a a, a truck driver for UPS. And back in the day, they were saying that you could make $60,000 as a driver for a truck. And so I was like, wow, it'd be kind of nice. But I just finished Bible college. I knew that I wasn't going to be a UPS 
driver. But I was like, oh, this would be good to kind of get a nest egg, all those things. Had a friend of mine call me up and says, hey, Jeff, I think you should come work for this place called Christian Encounter Ranch. It works with troubled teenagers, 16 to 24. And what you would do is you'd be an intern. You would be around them 24 7, 365, kind of like every day with them. You'd live in the dorms with them, work with them, do work program with them, disciple them, walk with them. And I said to them, I said, ah, oh, Dave, I said, and literally this is what I said. Kid you not. This is my quote. And I did. These are all legit, legitimate. I go, Dave, if it wasn't for these seven things that I named to him, I would be there in a week. A week later, I am driving to Grass Valley, California. To, by the way, go, listen to me, to a place where none of my skills were needed. None. Troubled teenagers didn't need me to plan events. Troubled teenagers didn't need me to preach at them. Troubled teenagers didn't need for me to do all these things. These were kids who were really hurting, broken. We had kids that had been a part of gang members. We had a kid that, by the way, his father committed suicide on that kid's 16th birthday in a church parking lot. You think there's some issues that come out of that? We had a young girl who, by the way, her mom stopped do, didn't want to do tricks anymore on the street, so she sent out her 13-year-old to do tricks for and became her pimp. These were the kids. My mom and dad here, I live beaver cleaver world. Does that make sense? I didn't do drugs, um, didn't smoke, have still yet to smoke, didn't drink, I don't drink. Like, I had nothing to offer. And God stripped all of that away from me and just says, now you get to understand what it's like just for me to use you. Still to this day, my six months at the ranch probably were one of the more defining things in my entire life. The last Sunday when they were praying me out when I was leaving, I got to preach, and they all said, why weren't you preaching every week? And then the leader said, because they said, and it was wisdom, he said, because Jeff wasn't here to preach, he was here to learn from the feet of God. See, the thing is, is that we think that we got to go because we have all the resources. We got to go because we have all the things, and God goes, no, I just need you to go. I have what you need when you get there. I have what you need when you need to be there. For that young girl who, by the way, who was 13 years old, do you know what my job was? Listen to me. Do you know what my job was? It's profound. To be a male that did not take advantage of her. Which, by the way, freaked her out. I'm being fully blunt. Every male had taken advantage of her. And to find a male that did not want her sexually, that treated her like a human being, that said she had the value as a sister in Christ. All I had to do was treat her the way that Christ would ask me to treat her, and it began to transform her life. Because if there was one guy who wasn't going to do that, maybe there was two, maybe there was three, maybe there was hope. Please understand that to these 72, he goes, don't take anything with you. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. but I got you. In this, I want you to understand that I, I think that when we come to this thing about being equipped and we take that carabiner and we clicked it into the rock, and if you haven't seen that message, you can go back and re look at that as well. 
And we tell you that you need to go and you need to um, go and be that discipler to someone else. The flood of I can't do it or not me begins to come in. And I want you to hear Jesus say to you, take nothing with you. Hear me. Because it's not about you. You're the vessel, right? We have this treasure in jars of clay. You're the tool. You're this process, this person that's going to bring me into the presence of people. I will do my work. I will do what God, what, what, what God wants to be done through you. Jesus does that. And so you go, but Jeff, I'm alone. I'm alone in this. I mean, what am I going to do? Let me say to you this. You are not alone. John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. John 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16, 13 and 14. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You are not alone. You need to understand that Jesus was with his 12. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew the places they were going to go. And he knew that they would be fed and taken care of. They didn't need to take a money bag. They didn't need an extra pair of sandals. They didn't need those things because he was with them and he had them. And Jesus comes to you and I and you sit there and you go, what would it really like for me to talk to my neighbor? What would it really like for me to talk to those people in my classroom? What would it really like for me to talk to people at my work? And God goes, you're not alone. Go. I understand it feels like you're a lamb among wolves. Go walk in there and realize I have you. I got you. And if you will open up your mouth, you're going, but I don't have enough skills. I don't need your skills. I don't have all these parts and pieces. You don't need all the parts and pieces. The Holy Spirit will declare Christ through you. You're not alone. Luke 12, 8 through 12. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. Listen to this. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. When you says, those of you that will acknowledge me before men, that is your neighbor, that is your classmate, that is your co-worker, that is your family member, that is somebody on your street, that is somebody in your inner circle. And if you will acknowledge me before men... The Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. 
And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I do not have time to unpack that passage. Another time we will. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I did not know what to say to a 13-year-old girl who had been prostituted by her mother. I did not know what to say to this kid who had been so damaged by his father. I did not know what to say to the kid after kid after kid at the ranch. Can I tell you something? For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit knew exactly what to say. And all I had to do was open my mouth. Part of my job was being a consistent human being who loved Jesus Christ in their life. That was part of my job. Being someone who said, hey, let me explain to you how this would be different and, and talk with them through their devotions and sit with them. And that, meant, by the way, there are times I had to do things that were difficult. But I'm telling you, he says, if you'll deny me, okay, my angels aren't going to hear about you, but if you will share me, the angels are going to hear about you. But I don't know what I'll say. I will tell you what to say when the time comes. And for those of you that have been in this room and understand what I'm talking about, you're agreeing with me because you've had moments where all of a sudden things are coming out of your mouth and you're going, that was not me. I just put myself in a moment where Holy Spirit began to move. See, the thing is, Jesus doesn't come to you and say, look, take all these supplies, take all of these things and go. One of the things that my friend Danny always jokes with Jody and I about is that when we come, our car is loaded. Like, we have a picture one time where we packed every bit of the back of our car. There were skateboards, and there was extra this and extra that. Like, we, we're, who are packers? Like, you take everything with you when you go. And there's some of you who, by the way, are the unpackers. Like, you have like a backpack, right? A couple of things, and you just throw it in the back of your car. Who, who are you? Are you out there? We can take lessons from you. All right, so listen. But we do, we, we take all this stuff because, here's the rule, we might what? And then you get three quarters away to the trip and you go, we have not needed any of this. But I drug it off the car, the top of the car, drug it all into the hotel room, drug it out of the hotel room, put it back on the top of the car. Do you understand that whole thing? Folks, he doesn't come to us and say, you need all this stuff. This is what he says. You need me and a staff. I do not know. You're all waiting like, oh, the staff's going to be. He's going to tell me something great about the staff. I got nothing. <laughs> I guess it helped them walk. If an animal came, they could smack him. I don't know. That's the only thing they got to take. The clothes on their back and the staff. Woohoo! So all of you should get a staff. I don't know. You should sell them up in the foyer. Anyway. But this is what I know. You're not alone. But it feels that way, doesn't it? It's so scary. And I do believe that Satan whispers in your ear, you got nothing to say here. You got nothing. You're going to sound stupid. You're going to sound silly. You're going to put the church back like a thousand years. You ever had that feeling? I personally am going to destroy all the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. I have watched people fumble 
fumble with the gospel and still seeing people come to Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was doing work even in that person's brokenness and their willingness to open up their mouth. God was doing amazing things. Matthew 28, 20. This, by the way, is the second part of the go and make disciples of all nations. But I want you to read this. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you. What? Not alone. You're simply not alone. My, my hope in this is that I'm trying to do this thing that I know I do in myself. I'm thinking, Jeff, what, what, what things do you say to yourself when it comes to going next door? What things do you say to yourself when it comes to opening up that door? What, what lies do you tell yourself? Because again, there's something significant about opening up that time and just going, hey, I, I got to tell you what's going on here about Jesus. I got to tell you my story. I need you to know what's going on. And I love that, again, Jesus sends him out, the 12, and goes, go. Sends out the 72 and says, go. Don't take anything with you. I have you. My mom and dad are, are here. Um, love having them with us. Um, I've said this before, uh, we used to do a really weird vacation thing. How many of you guys are the ones that plan vacations, have an itinerary, people get up, you have it like you, everyone gets up at seven, right? Itinerary people, you guys, come on, you, there you go, praise, Tim, Tim Ruiz in the back, yes, there's an itinerary. I see that hand. Now, my, we used to have this O'Connell uh, uh, Lime van um, set forward, and there was a bed and everything else. And I remember I would come home, and my dad would be stacking our ice chest in this O'Connell Lime van full of sandwiches. And we'd get in the van. And by the way, what I'm about to describe to you, some of you, this is going to drive you nuts. It's okay. We lived. <laughs> we would get in the van, and we would flip a coin. Heads was right, and tails was left. Because we, we had a place to sleep. It was our van. There was four of us and a thing of food, and we would go. And then we'd roll a dice, and then whatever that number was, that's how many uh, miles we would go before we would flip the next coin. For some of you, you're just having a panic attack right now. <laughs> we started in Southern California. We ended all the way up in Pismo Beach. We saw an equestrian show. Ended up sleeping the night on Pismo Beach. The guy the next morning, we got up, we got out of our van, we're rolling out on Pismo Beach, and a guy with it goes, hey, none of my family could come. Do you want to ride in my sand rail? I want to take you. Yes. So afternoon, we just took rides into the guy's sand rail because he was bored, had no one to share it with. So we got free rides. I didn't have to buy the sand rail, didn't have to put gas in the sand rail. Just got to sit in the sand rail. It was great. But here's what's so funny about that. It was just like, we were just like, our whole point, listen to me, this is where you go, aw. Our whole point was just to be together. <laughs> and I want to ask you, have you been on vacations where your point was to be together, but your itinerary meant that you actually spent no time together? See, there's something about what's happening here is that God, Jesus is saying, look, I got you. When you get to the next town, there's a guy with the sand rail. I got you. Acts 3, 6. I, I, I waffled on whether or not I was going to put this passage in because the second part, you could get caught on the second part and I don't want you to get caught on the second part. 
But Peter said, there's a blind man who's begging. And Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now the problem with that is, is we get the whole thing about the miracle of rising up and walking, right? But what I really want you to focus on is this, but what I do have I give to you. See, the thing is, is that you're saying, look, I don't have gold or silver. I don't have, no, but what do you have? Because what I do have, I do give to you. And by the way, there may be somebody, believe me, I believe the power of the Holy Spirit, if somebody has the ability to tell somebody to get up and walk, then if that's what God has given you, then that's what you get. But for some of you, it could be, I have time to sit with you and hear you and cry with you. What I have is, I can share with you a meal. I can share with you my story. I can share with you my home for a night. What I do have, I give to you because those are these moments where God goes, what would it look like for you to use that language? Silver and gold I don't have, but I do have something, and I'll give it to you, and I'll give it to you. So, I started off with the 12 and with the 72 encourage you to go back home and read through those stories. I'm going to get to the ending. I'm going to take out the middle parts. The middle parts have to do with the fact of, of that they did. They went and they cast out demons and, and, and they, 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 they spread the gospel and everything else. But when we get to the end of the 72, Jesus says something that I want you to sit on. Honestly, this whole message comes to this next verse right here. All right. Tell me to go fast. Luke 10, 21. In that same hour, the 72 have come back. They're giving him a report. They're telling him all the things that happened. They're telling him all the things that took place. They're telling him what God did. Because by the way, they didn't need a money bag and they didn't need sand, an extra pair of sandals. Do you understand? He took care of it. You guys got that? And they're blown away because they got there and there was a place that took care of them. And by the way, the places that, this is the passage which says, and if they don't have a place for you, what are you supposed to do? Shake off your feet, right? The dust off your feet. So they've had this experience. Look what Jesus says. In that same hour, he rejoiced. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. He is looking at the 72. Look at what he's doing. I want you to get the context. He's looking at the 72 fishermen, tax collectors, right? Regular people who got sent out. They experienced this. They're coming back. They're glorifying God. They're seeing God's power through them. The Holy Spirit showed up in those moments. The Holy Spirit moved in those places, and this was his prayer. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have an A in Bible. 
What you do have to have is a willingness to go without a money bag and without sandals and trust in a God who will show up. And God goes, thank you for, by the way, showing these little children how awesome you are. That's what I want for you. So let me tell you a story about a guy named Bud Howler. Bud uh, used to go to Inroads uh, when we were there, and, and uh, Bud uh, just had a passion for his neighbors. And by the way, Bud got inner circle before we ever said inner circle. And so Bud was working on his neighbors. And I remember one day, Bud was, uh, they have a, a group of guys that meet for coffee, um, a bunch of retired guys, and I get to come because I don't have a real job, and I get to come and sit with them. I remember one time, Bud just goes, hey, do you know of a really good uh, 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 church that speaks Spanish? And I said, actually, I do. And I told him, it was, told him where the church was. And, and by the way, didn't think any of it because Bud always asked crazy questions all the time. Does that make sense? I'm like, yeah, I do. Da, 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 da. We changed the subject. We moved on. About a few weeks later, I realized I hadn't seen Bud or Kathy. Second week in a row, haven't seen Bud or Kathy. I'm going to be calling but Jerry uh, Liston, who this guy kind of meets you at the door, met with Bud every morning. I said, hey, um, have you talked to Bud? He goes, oh, yeah. He's going to that Spanish church uh, that you told him about. I go, Bud doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> he goes, yeah, 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 I know. He's taking his neighbor to that Spanish church. He's going to stay with him until that guy gets comfortable there, and then he'll come back. So I ran into Bud. I go, how do you, oh, he goes, that church is great. I have no idea what they're saying, but it's awesome. <laughs> he goes, they hug me, and they love me, and I'm singing, and I have no idea what I'm saying, but it's great. <laughs> he stayed there for about a month and a half, and then they started coming back. I go, oh, it's good to have you back. He goes, I miss him. He got his neighbor, who he knew would not come to inroads, listen to me, who was in his inner circle, and didn't just say, hey, there's a church you should try out. He went with him. You hear me? Bud doesn't speak Spanish. Bud didn't have the tools. But you know what he could do? He could say, hey, jump in my car. I'll take you to church. That family got committed into that church, found Jesus in that church. And Bud came back. And he goes, every once in a while, I need to go sit. Man, they, they, they sing like crazy over there. I know. Do you hear me on that? But I didn't go, I need to take a class in Spanish. I need to figure out what's going on. I got to get, you know, be able to read Spanish. I to give him the Spanish-speaking Bible. No. You know what he did? He just took him to church. That's the inner circle that we're talking about. So let me read you this. The end of the 12, coming back, says this. So they went out and proclaimed to the people should repent. The 12 just went out and proclaimed to the people that they should repent. Which, by the way, is not yelling at people and telling them that they're going to hell and they should repent. It's going to people going, look, this direction you're going is not healthy for you. You should turn and come to a place that is good. And they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil who were sick, and they healed them. So, why is this message important? Cedars Church. You don't need all the things you think you need. You need Jesus. And you're not alone. And 
You will show up. He will use you in ways that you never thought possible. And by the way, may not use one of your gifts. That's okay. Not one of your gifts. And in doing so, more people will come to Christ. Let me say it to you very clearly, Cedars. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. You're going to be okay. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? You got this. You got this. These people that are in your inner circle, I would love to hear you're not coming to Cedars anymore because you're taking somebody to a church that will speak to them. Please, please understand. We didn't do an equipping service just um, series just so that you would know. We want you to go out. And we gave you all that we can. But if you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit and a staff, you have enough. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I again commission your people that they would be anchored to the rock, that they would reach out to those around them. And Father, for fear of what they don't have, they don't say anything, I would ask that they would go, I have nothing, therefore I'm really prepared for what's about to happen. Father, I thank you and I love you and I ask that in this whole time that we would lift up your name on high. You're a good God. And we are thankful. Thankful for all that you've given us. Father, I love you. And I want to thank you even in the times that are tough. And I pray all these things in your name of your son, Jesus. Amen.